This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're taking a look at Africa's version of Bigfoot. Now, this is a really interesting topic, although I had a little trouble finding um, a lot of information on it. Of course, you know with Google, it seems like you go through page after page after page of the same results before you find something really unique and interesting, and that's kind of how this uh, subject seemed to work. I did find, it seems like the two most popular names for this Bigfoot creature Araka and Otang, and I found an article on Imperadox.com, that's I-M-P-E-R-I-D-O-X, which I thought was really interesting, uh, if you want to take a look at it. The title says, Raka, the South African Bigfoot, and then it says, across the sub-Saharan continent of Africa, it is possible to find tales and legends of strange and primal apes that are at least part human. It goes on, it says, Raka, the epic poem by N.P. Van Wicklow, tells the story of an innocent tribe's struggle against the seductive, corrupting, violent, and invading force of Raka, the man-ape that conquers, violates, and debases the tribe. Raka wins, values lose. Now, this, a couple things strike me in this short paragraph. First off, he refers to Raka as the man-ape, not ape-man. So this is a man with strong ape-like features. And this really kind of, uh, this this paragraph, this, this notion that this man-ape creature comes into this tribe, it conquers them, it violates them, it debases them, and it wins and values lose. This is a sort of story that reminds me of Genesis chapter 6 when it talks about the sons of man or what uh, many scholars interpret as fallen angels uh, coming down to earth uh, illegally, spiritually illegally, uh, sleeping with women, producing offspring, uh, teaching uh, mankind all sorts of, of terrible, immoral, sinful behavior along with uh, how to wage war on each other and just uh, really uh, wreaking havoc on the planet until what, what many people think uh, was a, uh, was was the reason for the flood to occur, this contamination of the human race. And this also goes into this in the book of Enoch. So this notion that this otherworldly entity uh, enters uh, mankind in his most uh, intimate functions and just debases the entire species. And you kind of see that with this notion of this Raka, the ape man coming in. He must have had something that enticed these people uh, to let him in. And then once he was in, then, and then, then it all breaks loose. It says the hunters set out the next day. They saw the wrath of Raka, Koki's broken body trodden in the clay, his spear crushed, his shield smashed. Raka now always joins us in our alien dance with desire from the wild chase and capture and mating and screaming under force a mysterious and unbridled rapture. And that's from the coming forth of Raka. 
Boy, there's a lot of heavy, dark stuff in that paragraph right there. The hunters set out the next day. They saw the wrath of Raka. Koki's broken body trodden into the clay. His spear crushed. His shield smashed. Raka now always joins us in our alien dance. With desire from the wild chase. And capture. And mating. And screaming under force. A mysterious and unbridled rapture. You know, there's all the... All of the uh, darkness and the curse that you read through the Old Testament, you know, of, of the alienation between a husband and wife, uh, Cain slaying Abel, all this chaos, this darkness, uh, really this evil that we see unfold in the beginnings of the of the of the Old Testament. I look at this little poem right here, and it's like. This is the mirror image of this Raka. You know, he, he's he's committed murder. That they're 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 engaging in some, some sort of alien dance. They're describing things that they can't understand, and then the mating and screaming under force. You know, that's not right. This whole uh, peaceful, idyllic situation that these folks lived in in this primitive tribal uh, conditions, now just rocked by this man ape creature. It goes on, it says, Raka ate man. Across the sub-Saharan continent of Africa, it is possible to find tales and legends of strange and primal apes that are at least part human. These creatures go by many names. Billy Ape, Bondo Ape, Chesimut, Chemoset, Carrot, Kikambo, and of course Raka. In general, all these creatures have several aspects in common. They are considered to be half man and half ape. They are predators, and they represent both spirituality and, in practice, the darker side of humanity, and they live in the shadows and are often only seen at night. It is very important to point out that the central forests of equatorial, of equatorial Africa are both huge and dangerous. To put this in perspective, it is quite possible that more of the Amazon rainforest has been explored than the central and northern regions of Uganda, the Central African Republic, Niger, Rwanda, Burundi, Cameroon, and the Congo. And, you know, I think it's important that, to keep in mind, I believe it was just the uh, part of Africa that's north of the Sahara is larger than the continental United States. And it, as I recall, the, the continent of Africa is about three times the size of continental United States. This is a huge landmass that we're talking about. And although the uh, population of Africa, I think, is now bordering on uh, 1.2 billion, remember, most of those people live uh, in large... Uh, metropolises, huge cities. So you still have large areas that are undeveloped or, or underdeveloped. It says, quote, The porters huddle closer to the fire. The white man casts a reassuring glance upon his guns and pours himself into a chota peg. On such a night prowls Kirit, the devil beast of darkness. Captain W. Hitchens, late of the Intelligence and Administrative Services, East Africa, 1937. During the early 1900s, many Western explorers, missionaries, and colonial administrators based in Africa reported encounters with strange ape-like creatures. Alfred R. Potting describes such an event that took place in 1916. Quote, The man-beast seemed attracted to the fire and prodded at it with an acacia branch that he had wrenched from a tree to which we had secured our tents. Our terrified trekkers had long since fled, but Hawkins... 
Vandermeer and I stayed behind with our rifles leveled at its barrel chest. Although the size of a lowland gorilla, it resembled no ape in my guide. No ape in my guide at least tried. At last, tired of its tomfoolery, it raised its domed head. With dark and wicked eyes, it smiled, revealing teeth that could have severed a man's leg. Then it was gone to the bush from where it came. Later, as I lay awake, I asked myself, What animal smiles? Well, he's got a point. This thing, what animal does smile? Now we look at it. If you see an animal that smiles, like say a chimpanzee, that's not a that's not a sign of uh, you know, that that they're teasing you or fooling around. That's a sign of aggression. When you see an animal smiling like that, it's a sign of aggression. This this thing, and he describes it as this this man ape. It was engaging the humans, and it was smiling like a human does. So you see, it was mimicking them. Or maybe it actually had the empathy or the capacity to feel what humans feel. Who knows? It says, stories of these giants, half-human creatures, reached America in the 1920s, and soon the 1933 film King Kong featured a giant ape that falls in love with its sacrificial victim, actress and Darrow hit the silver screen. Kong is clearly an ape, but displays many human qualities. In South Africa, African writer, Africans writer M.P. Van Wyck Lau wrote an epic poem about a creature that was half man, half ape, entitled Raka. The poem tells the story of a tribe in Africa that is initially con- content with its own existence. However, this is not to last, and from the deep jungles and shadowy canyons comes forth Raka. His presence both frightens and excites the tribe to live and behave in a way that is no longer in line with their perception of civilization. Koki, a warrior and spiritual leader, prepares to fight the beast and sets off to do so. He is defeated and dies a martyr's death. The tribe sublimate themselves to the violent passions of Raka in order to survive, but in doing so their culture, old beliefs, and inherent nobility must die in their place. At its most obvious, the poem is a depiction of the battle between good and evil, where evil triumphs, but much has been written about the poem, and many people believe that it was a metaphor for the destruction of African culture by the overwhelmingly powerful colonial invaders. It is very possible that he based the story, and even the name of the beast, on a much older version of the story that he heard from the indigenous peoples of the Eastern Cape District. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Goes on, it says... Otang, South Africa, Raka. As early as 2009, wildlife photographer and environmentalist Gareth Peterson has been researching a mysterious Bigfoot-like creature called Otang that may live in the deep Kinsia forest. He has recently published a book on his, find, on his findings entitled Beyond the Secret Elephants. Now, if you go online, uh, you'll find uh, lots and lots of podcast interviews this guy's done. Pretty interesting stuff. And you might note that this Kinsia Forest, now that's in South Africa. If you imagine the very tip down there in South Africa with Cape Town being over on the west coast, this here Kinsia Forest would be like in the middle of it. And I believe that it's around uh, 
2,500 hectares, which about 6,000 acres. Or to give you an idea, this is about a nine-mile square area where this park is at, this jungle area, I guess you would say. So that's a pretty good-sized area where you, you really don't have any humans to speak of living. Now he says, the man-ape theme has persisted through the years and right across fast, and right across vast continent of Africa. Always the story is similar. It is a creature that has savage intelligence and a body that is half human, half ape. The size of the creature varies, but it is usually described as seven to nine feet tall and capable of walking on its hind legs like a man. It is a nocturnal predator that sometimes contents itself to raid livestock, but at other times it will brazenly force its way into a settlement and cause havoc. Although not a demon or a creature from another spiritual dimension, it was believed to be that these creatures could be summoned and controlled by witch doctors or others that had made alliances with the other world. Well, I have to say, I think the author's taken a little bit of liberty here, perhaps, when they say that it was not believed to be a demon or a creature from another spiritual dimension. Because any time that you're involving witch doctors, you're involving another spiritual dimension. That's the whole point of having a witch doctor. Or good, bad, or indifferent. You're you're seeking out somebody who either has powers or has access to powers that are otherworldly, whether those powers are used for good or bad. The point is, without being spiritual, the witch doctor is no better than uh, you know vitamin salesman. I mean, plenty of people, it, 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 tribal people, indigenous people, whether it's in Africa or, uh, you know, the Native Americans that were here, plenty of people knew about which berries to eat, which roots to eat, which ones uh, could be used um, for your day-to-day -day health, which ones could be used, say, to stop blood clotting, which ones could be used for everything. Pretty much the same way we used uh, modern medicine today, they had to use... Um, what was available to them in the form of different plants and roots and berries and so on to try to make it through a day. There's nothing really spiritual about that. That's just the mechanics of nature. If you're seeking out a witch doctor, on the other hand, then your problem must be spiritual in nature or supernatural in nature. You're trying to gain control over something, whether it's a physical ailment or maybe it's a, a romance relationship or maybe someone's seeking revenge or someone's seeking help, they're needing help with something that they're unable to address uh, in the physical. And it looks like these witch doctors are summoning these Raka or Otang as a way to aid in whatever they're trying to get done. And you see that in some of these um, stories that we hear from the Native Americans in this country when it comes to skinwalkers. And when you have, when you have uh, medicine men who say, go over to the dark side, and suddenly they're becoming or they're summoning skinwalkers, uh, usually to act in a negative way towards someone. This is, this is most often uh, correlated with some sort of a, of a curse or some sort of a negative action. And in the same way that, that these skinwalkers seem to be able to phase in and out of a physical body, it looks to me like these these African Bigfoot, these uh, Otang or Rock or whatever, are doing the same thing. They're seen at night mostly. They seem very mysterious. 
uh, no really explanation of how they're living or foraging or reproducing or any of that. They seem to be, I mean, the most logical explanation is, is that they are, in fact, interdimensional or spiritual or phasing in and out of a biological body. That's what it looks like. The same thing we see happening with these UFOs. They're phasing in and out of a mechanical state. You know, they're an orb, then they become a spaceship, and then they're back to being an orb or maybe a bolt of lightning or something. We see this constantly. It's this, sh this shape-shifting phenomena. It's a common denominator between uh, these uh, Bigfoot entities, whatever they are, skinwalkers, whatever they are, UFOs, whatever they are. This ability to change shapes and to shift in and out of our reality. That's the commonality that I see. It says, it goes on and says, as, colonial, as colonialists pushed their way into Africa, and more and more Africans migrated to the newly built cities, the sightings and belief in these ape creatures has faded. However, it is wholly possible that they did once exist, and may still exist to this day, hidden in the deep forest of Zaire, Uganda, and Kenyasna, it's spelled K-N-Y-S-N-A. Four main theories have, put forward, have been put forward to explain their possible existence. The first is that they are a natural but very rare human-ape hybrid. Educated geneticists will immediately point out that this is impossible as even the chimpanzee, which is alleged to have 98% of the same DNA that humans do, is incapable of interbreeding due to a differing number of chromosomes. Humans 24, chimps 23. Okay, just to set the record straight, and I'm sure that if this is incorrect, I'll be, I'll be corrected in the comments, but isn't it true that a banana has like, I don't know, 80 or 90% common DNA with a human? I mean, really, 98% sounds like a lot, but it's that 1% or 2% that make all the difference in the world. In fact, probably, it's probably one-tenth of 1% that make all the difference in the world. It goes on and says, How recent research has shown that humans and, and chimpanzees separated in evolutionary terms much later than originally believed. In addition, it is also appears that the two lines separated, merged, and separated again at least once. It is possible that there was an unknown species of ape that retained enough genetic similarity. And then it goes on and says, the second, the second theory is based on human and Neanderthal evolution. The Neanderthal or Neanderthal is an extinct member of the Homo genus that died out approximately 25,000 years ago. Modern man knows of their existence largely due to fairly recently discovered fossils and skeletal remains from Europe and Asia. Look, anytime you're trying to talk about a human-ape, you know, human-ape uh, hybrid or Neanderthals or some sort of missing link, as far as I'm concerned, you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. There's no way in the world that I see that there is enough... Uh, undisturbed territory, I don't care if it's in the middle of Africa or the middle of Washington State, to support a, a thriving population of these large bipeds where they wouldn't have been discovered. I mean, we have satellites now that are viewing all this stuff, and especially as especially as modern humans push into these jungles to begin extracting minerals, you know, whether it's lithium or gold or whatever, Somewhere along the line, especially in Africa, where there's a lot of hungry folks, 
somebody would have shot one of these things. This is why I think these things cannot be uh, solely a, a, a biological creature. And when you go down the lines of, well, could it be a hybrid? Could it be a lost you know, population of Neanderthals, whatever? It, that line of reasoning never pans out. Goes on and says, when they disappeared, it's still a matter for conjecture, but it's largely believed it was a combination of climate. Well, you know, you can't get through an article without reading about. You can't get through an article without hearing the word conspiracy theory or climate change. Now, if we go on down here a little bit further, we can see a third theory is that these creatures are or were a very rare form of ape that has yet to be discovered or that became extinct in recent years. The journals of early explorers of Africa often recorded strange creatures that have never been confirmed by science. An exception to this was the Okapi. The historical record referred to it as an African unicorn, and early explorers described it as a half-zebra, half-giraffe. The creature's existence was finally confirmed in 1902 and given the name Okapi Johnstoni. There were and still are thousands of these animals in the wild. Our practice of fully sustainable breeding population needs only a few hundred individuals as long as a group has a full range of inherited genetic diversity. It is possible, although unlikely, that science will still discover these eight-man creatures in some remote and isolated ecosystem. I, I have to disagree with that. You know, a, a population of a few hundred might work, uh, you know, with rabbits. But... You, you get into um, even with even with uh, dogs and cats. I mean, especially humans. The more complex that creature is, the more diversity it requires. Uh, we can see this in some of our populations, like with uh, certain certain religious sects, like throughout the Midwest and, and West, with with uh, a lot of the uh, Amish and the Old Order Amish, where they have uh, married within a within a certain group of people now for a hundred years or better, they're having real problems. They're having problems with um, birth defects, with uh, not not having healthy babies, and they're desperately trying to inject new blood into the population so that they're, they can have that diversity. And that's what the population's, that's in the, in the tens of thousands. Now, I just don't believe for a minute that you could have a population of uh, creatures that that were this much human, say they say half human, half ape, probably sounds more like 80% human, 20% ape. How could you keep a population of three or 400 of these creatures and, and ever hope to have the diversity that you need to carry on that bloodline for what's been now hundreds of years? That makes no sense to me. Because goes on and says, a final thought is this, as long as some people believe in and fear a creature, then the beast lives on, if only in their minds. I, I find that to be a cop-out, actually, because um, although the article was was interesting and I like some of the points in it, you see that, like with a lot of these articles that are written, they never entertain the possibility that this thing could be something that they just don't understand. And they live in a two-dimensional world, and they are in total denial that a third dimension exists, let alone a fourth, fifth, or sixth dimension. Overall, though, I thought they did a decent job um, talking about the history of it, and I think it's important that people understand that these, this phenomena, whether it's UFOs or skinwalkers or Bigfoot 
or ghosts or whatever, these paranormal phenomena that we talk about so much, they don't just exist in the place where you're at or in the state you live in or the country that you're that you live in. These are these are global phenomena. They they occur all over the world. These stories exist with every people group, with every subgroup, with every tribe, within every family. We all know about them and have known about them for thousands of years. Dated clear back to Genesis. Okay? Pictures written on cave walls. Stories handed down among indigenous peoples for generations and generations. But yet, given all that oral tradition and written tradition that's been handed down for thousands upon thousands of years now, a large percentage of the population still wants to live in 100% denial, denying that the possibility of the paranormal or the extra-normal or UFOs or Bigfoot or any of this stuff could ever exist. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.